0: i'm jeff rake
1: i'm laura putney and i'm margaret easley and today we are exploring the drama and mystery of manifest episode 113 talk
2: about the connection between zeke and michaela
0: it was always my intention that zeke's arrival would blow open the mythology of Manifest when I first pitched the show all the way back in the summer of 2017. I told the executives at NBC that we're going to meet this pivotal character halfway through season one. So that happened at the end of 12, and now this journey that we experience in 13 paves the way for us to understand the underlying emotional connection between Zeke and Michaela, and that bond is going to be long-lasting.
3: I think too that Michaela says in this episode that she wishes she could have done her re-entry a different way or she wishes she sort of had a do-over. And when Zeke experiences this extremely disorienting return, the first thing that hits him when he comes back is this calling, is a connection to Michaela. And so he doesn't have family to ground him, but Michaela serves that function. And I think that's the an interesting way that the calling has maybe stepped in here in some fashion to help Zeke by connecting him and grounding him with Michaela.
1: And this is the first time we've had a calling affect two people at the same time. We've had callings um, that multiple people have heard, or we've had an A and a B. Uh, and this is the first time that we've had two people connected through a calling, And it seems to be an urge or there's a need for them to figure it out. And every time they don't get the right step, it comes back and continues to put the two of them together. So clearly, it's trying to tell them that they need to work together to figure it out.
0: And I think that that relates to that idea of their physical touch, which for us, you know, serves a couple different things. It, It obviously creates a physical intimacy between these characters. They are strangers And that physical touch leading to a calling suggests to both of them that, for some reason, they are supposed to be in close proximity to each other and thus begins their journey.
2: Blood markers, dark lightning, and terrestrial turbulence. Do these three factors play a role in the time jump and the callings?
0: Well, I think that that consistency over multiple incidents starts to suggest connective tissue, and Sanvi and others are right to point to these pieces of the puzzle appearing consistently when we've seen uh, these several callings. Is it safe to say that these factors are at the root of what caused the time jumps and the callings? Well, I don't know that it's safe to conclude anything right now, but that seems to be the leading theory. And uh, whatever ultimately ends up explaining the underlying phenomenon, is clearly leaving a physical footprint, fingerprint, if you will. And, and these are those fingerprints.
3: So in other words, maybe it doesn't have anything to do with what caused the time jumps and the callings. Maybe it is just a manifestation, if you will, but <laughs> a symptom of what happens when these time jumps or callings happen. It leaves these physical... Markers. presence yeah, markers.
1: markers.
2: And yes, fans should always keep an eye out. <laughs> Always. Talk about Sanvi's earthquake aftershock theory.
0: You're probably not the only one who did a lot of Googling. You're not going to find a lot of information about Sanvi's interpretation of aftershock theory. That is kind of a hybrid between existing natural science and the imagination of the writer's room. But uh, at the least, it is certainly an apt metaphor for what we seem to be experiencing. And uh, Sanvi is the author of theories that we have met earlier in series, right? I mean, she's the architect of Cal's Recovery. She is a scientific innovator. And I think of this aftershock theory as another one of her quite intuitive scientific innovations. As for whether or not you should brush up on your earthquake science, feel free. But you could also go for a run and eat healthily and then just, you know, keep watching and see what El zombie has to say. And if you live in California, you should just be brushing up on it anyway. So. <laughs> okay, good. really good point.
2: Elaborate on the peacock calling and the goddess Juno. Is it important that Ben and Olive work on this together?
1: I think it's not an accident that it happens to be something that Olive is very familiar with. It is her jam, as she says. And she is in the family and does not have callings, but Ben realizes he needs her to help identify and um, figure this out. It's a good way for a non-passenger to be an essential part of, of a mystery.
3: So we had a peacock calling in 109, and we really think of this as a another calling or a message. If it's a messenger for the goddess Juno, which is what the peacock is, there's a message or a calling when the book happens to open. So nothing's a coincidence in manifest. So the book opening right to that page at that moment when Ben has been more honest with Olive than he has been in series, we're seeing that um, that calling happen right then. And that is no accident.
0: And it is certainly important that Ben and Olive work on it together. Is that the case mythologically? Well, you know, yes and no. I think that those who are watching the episodes in real time as they listen to these conversations are going to come to find that Ben and Olive are bonding over this journey together. It's healing the relationship between the two of them. There's a big chasm for them to overcome. And that a mythological journey brought them together is arguably icing on the cake. And by the time those who are listening get to the season one finale, they will come to discover that this collaboration leads to an ultimate epiphany.
2: Talk about the new group threatening the passengers. What's their backstory and why the Red
0: X? So the Xers represent that end of the spectrum, right? That idea of fearing and hating the unknown is an unfortunately common refrain in the world in which we live. You don't have to look hard to find the political and cultural metaphor at work here. So forgive us for kind of chomping at the bit of the low-hanging fruit, to mix a few metaphors there. But, you know, it just seemed like a very logical, organic outgrowth of the flight's return. And uh, what's their backstory? Why the Red X?
3: Uh, Well, just in terms of backstory, I think that coming out of what the world knows about Captain Daly and Fiona's disappearance is that they stole an airplane and that the government had to shoot it down. So that piece of information suddenly makes all the returned passengers look really suspicious. And so people who had had an unsettling feeling about these people already who are distrustful of difference would now and and not so conspiracy theory, by the way, a pretty grounded reaction to that is to say these people are are here for some terrible purpose um, if they're stealing airplanes that the government has to shoot down. So they certainly look like there's some let's call it terrorist activity a foot, Certainly there might be. And have these passengers really been vetted? Who's been looking at these people? And if the government's not going to do it, we're going to do it. That feels very like a grounded response in the real world that would actually happen. Do we want to speak to why the Red X? Because I think the Red X is an, a, a very evocative, threatening feeling symbol. And it's got a lot of roots out there in real world examples so i think it yes it draws on those things and people will bring to it what they will and certainly the stone family brings to it what they do and Sanvi, all the passengers will bring to it that whatever that feeling that's evoked in them is but i think it does have a very threatening feel based on what, everything we know about these types of symbols that have popped up in the past we tried
2: baby blue and it just didn't have the same like, scare factor <laughs> Cal asks Grace, how do you know I'm still me? Elaborate on what Cal's going through.
3: This moment is something that we have really been thinking about and building toward all season. This notion that Cal, having come back in this inexplicable event and no one can explain to him what happened to him, and then Experiencing these callings that are just getting more and more and more intense, leading to this incredible discovery in 12 when he finds Zeke, that he would be questioning. That he would be questioning. He's never seen human. No one can explain to him how this is remotely possible. And it makes him question his fundamental essence. Is he even still human?
0: Beautiful scene written by Lauren Margaret love it. One of the greatest, most poignant moments of of the season, I would say. As much as Grace tries to calm her son down in this moment, convince him he's still him, Cal continues to, you know, wrestle with his singularity, feeling different, feeling like the other. And that will, unfortunately for him, continue to spiral in the episodes to come.
3: And Athena's portrayal at the end of her continued doubt about this. The Cal character seems to, you know, take this moment and walk away feeling somewhat better, at least for now. But you can see in Grace's face, uh, an incredible
2: unease. (laughs) Talk about the Stone family being reunited.
0: It's been a priority for us in the writer's room to really shore up the the Stone family in our final batch of episodes. The front of the season was about that chasm that existed between Ben and Grace and that kind of bottomed out in episode nine and we still felt it so strongly in, in 10. By 12 and 13, yes, now here at the end of this episode, they're back together again and they will continue to firm up. And I think that, the, again, those who are watching episodes along with these conversations uh, will find that the family's dynamic continues to improve in in episodes 14, 15, and 16. And what's fun about that is that the structure of our storytelling shifts a little bit uh, in 14, 15, 16, in that the family is kind of in sync, attacking the Case of the week, attacking the mystery of the week together, working with each other as allies. And so it's a different tone emotionally, and it's also a different structure in terms of, you know, which characters we sent out to investigate and find answers. And that was fun for us to be able to write the episodes in slightly different fashion. Uh, It's all going to come to a head in a very surprising, very messy way by the season finale. And I think we'll come to discover that while grace and ben are as strong as they have ever been it will remain complicated and that idea of danny being a thing of the past will still somehow end up an open question
1: i think one reason the stone family is a united front now is not just because grace wanted him back but because they've all changed they've all she now knows more instead of being on the outs it's now They've all been informed and they're all part of this. There there are no more secrets in this stone family. So you have this team now. And it'll be interesting to see now that you have a stronger stone front, so to say, um, what it is that's going to be
2: coming up against that. It's going to have to be an equal and opposite force. Michaela and Zeke are deeply tied together. Are they soulmates? What about Jared?
0: <laughs> uh you know, this question of whether Michaela and Zeke are soulmates and how that impacts the Jared Michaela relationship is central to the final uh, few episodes of season one and and beyond. So you know we can't speak to that definitively right now. Clearly, there is a deep, strong, mysterious bond between Michaela and Zeke. You see that right there in 13. Uh, That will remain. It will grow. It's incredibly complicated for Michaela. She is still in love with Jared. She's struggling with those emotions. She's feeling something important and inexplicable with Zeke. Is she falling for him yet? I wouldn't say that at all. That may be something that we explore down the line. Wait for it. But right now, here in season one, Zeke is an important, messy complication in the michaela Jared relationship that all three of them will be tugging on all the way to the final frame of the season one finale.
2: Does the seat assignment for Sanvi's missing boyfriend mean anything?
0: It's going to mean something. <laughs> That's a real story. That's a real person. We will get there. If you're referring to the the number eight and the letter B, and if that means something mythologically, no comment.
2: Michaela and Zeke discover a petrograph. Talk about that.
3: I think it's important to pay attention to that petrograph. It's certainly the, if you didn't think it was a calling when they first saw it, the lightning punctuates that. And so I think there's a significance associated with that. They are in the exact, that exact formation when they see the petrograph. So I think that's important, but we'll play this forward. And they, uh, right now, they're as confused as, as any fan is about what that might mean.
0: Not everything we see on the show matters. This one matters.
1: We hope you enjoyed the ride. And if you're ready for the next chapter of Manifest,
2: well, there's more mystery coming your way. Thank you for listening to this episode of Manifest, the official podcast. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and please be sure to follow Manifest on socials, at NBC Manifest on all platforms.